Welcome to Momentum Church. Amy and I have been gone the last two Sundays ministering in Southeast Asia, and it's good to be home and be able to minister to you. And I, I wrote an amazing sermon for today. Like, incredible, I mean, incredible. Like, lots of research. I mean, like, your minds are going to be blown. And, um, and at about 4 o'clock this morning, I woke up, and, and I was, you know, pastor, you know how it is. I woke up, and it was like, yeah, no, I'm not preaching that today. And so I came in here around 5, and Lord, what do you have me saying? If that's not the word you have, you know, what do you have me saying? And, and I begin to write. And so listen, this sermon today might not be tight, but it's right. Oh, that'll preach, won't it, right there? It ain't tight, but it's right. No, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, but basically, the Lord just kind of stirred in my heart something from our trip. And, um, and maybe God will let me preach this amazing other sermon um, <laughs> next Sunday. But I do want to be able to speak to what the Lord is laying on my heart today. And um, let me give you first a report back from Southeast Asia. And I want to thank you for sending us, okay? Like, guys, this is something to where I, I, I told Amy, I said, I want to brag on what Jesus is doing. And I want to be hid behind the cross. You know what I mean? I don't want it to be like, look what Ross and Amy have done. It's not like that. But oh my Jesus, what he's done. It blows my mind and we're humbled by it. And so as we have ministered in country the last two years, our missionaries that we partner with have told us now that we have literally been able to shape culture within 10% of the churches that are in our affiliation in the Assemblies of God in that whole country, not region, whole country. Amen. You've done that because you've sent us. Amen? So give God some praise. As I begin to just kind of go into this, I want to tell you some of the things. What it is is we're, our job isn't to go in and change culture of indigenous people, right? That's not our job, unless it's not biblical culture. And what has happened in that nation is the culture of marriage and family and the culture of ministry and leadership have become something that is not healthy. They've become something that's not biblical. And so the last couple of years, we've been able to just go in and pour in biblical culture. And it's bringing healing to these people. And um, one of the testimonies that came out of our first year last year, um, we heard it this week when we were back, or last week when we were back. Um, in that culture, the imams, they don't work, right? The Muslim imams. The Buddhist monks, they don't work. And the Hindu priests, they don't work. They, they have their livelihood around the temple. And so for the, the preacher, the Pentecostal, if you will, preacher, Protestant preacher, for them to work outside the home, it looks like a lack of faith. And so last year in one of our breakout sessions, Amy covered with the ladies that women are created to create. And I covered with the men, men are created to provide. And when it came down to it, we had learned that many of their children were being forced fasted. Not that they were being cruel, but they didn't have the finances. So twice a week, we're not going to eat as unto the Lord. And it was one of those things to where these men had this burden that had been placed upon them that they couldn't have some sort of a side hustle because somehow that made them look less spiritual. And I was able to just kind of speak into it that Paul was a tent maker, you know. And I shared some of the things that we've had to do through our, our life and ministry. A lot of times you got to do some stuff to support your habit of ministry. You know what I'm talking about? It's expensive to be a preaching junkie. You know what I mean? 
I'm addicted to. I love serving God in his, his church. But there's times where to get my, my fix, I had to do some stuff on the side. And, and, and don't sound like that. That could sound really bad. And so I taught him about hustle and looking for opportunities and, and, and spoke a little bit on, about entrepreneurship. And so this year, many of them had come back to me. Oh, pastor, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, and, and one guy's like, I'm, I'm washing dishes at night. And, and, oh, and he goes, my wife is so happy because he's provided. And, 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 and then he goes, our intimacy is better. Oh, yeah. Because he the man. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like yeah. I mean, y'all look nervous. In this sessions that we do with these people, we talk about everything. Everything. Okay? And so, but he literally was just like, my sex life is better. Because he's the man. I'm so proud of him. And, and, and they saw the ministry going well and everything. So we had testimony after testimony coming back to us about intimacy healing, about communication and conflict resolution, the principles that we taught into them, how to love each other in a way that each other can understand. And God just has used that so much the last year. And now we had a second year retreat with those first year students that dealt with leading together. It was all around the idea of ministry and marriage. So marriage and ministry, first year, family and marriage and um, man, it was incredible. We had a testimony come to us from the first year group. And last year there was a woman and she had, her husband had decided to divorce. And the, the retreat was literally their last ditch effort. And that country, they don't have much divorce, you know. And so with that, they ended up coming to the retreat and the Lord just touched their hearts. There was a supernatural move, but also the principles got placed within them. They went back. They said, we believe that with these principles, we can change our marriage. And they went back and began to establish healthier ministry culture and healthier family culture and healthy communication model and healthy conflict resolution. They started employing all those things. And long story short, they got their marriage healed. Amen? And, and just to give you kind of a background on how broken the ministry culture is, the man that was over them, you know, Pastor Blair, raise your hand, Pastor, and Mom Blair, Sister Blair, Terry Blair. These are the two people I worked under for nearly 11, like 10 and a half years before I came here. And I've been here 18 years and a half, you know. And um, so it would be like they sent us, you know, this, say, hey, Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, if I get to be daddy of the church, they're, they're grandma and grandpa. They really, you know, they sent us to plant this, and they've been an encouragement all these years. But pastor doesn't call and say, don't do this, do this. Nope, I don't want you doing that. Stop this, change that. No, he hasn't done that. In their culture, once you're a disciple, you're always a disciple of that person, and they, they tell you everything to do in your ministry. And so this young couple went back and made the, said, we're taking Mondays as a Sabbath. It's not something they do culturally. And we're going to take Mondays as a Sabbath for our family. And our family's our first ministry. And then we minister to the church. The pastor literally said, I wish you would have went ahead and got divorced because I got more work out of you when you were a single man than a married man. Is that hard? And so that's kind of what we're dealing with is helping shift culture from these young pastors down. And, and I say all that to say, you, if that couple in that city, that's the only gospel witness in that city. If they would have got a divorce, it would have hurt the church, but it would have hurt the gospel witness in that city. You all and your investment in that country, yeah, we were your voice there, but you guys are the hands that sent us. You saved the gospel witness in that city where all there is in that city is a Buddhist witness and a Hindu witness and a Muslim witness. Amen? So I praise God for that. This year, we had a couple who, first day we met them, we didn't know their story. 
And they were first-year students. They weren't in our second year. They were first-year students. And so with it, we find out when the whole retreat was over, their story is this. She had told him she was leaving him. She had told her family, I'm leaving him. Like, it's a done deal. He begged her, please go to this. Like a one last ditch effort. She says, I'll go, but I'm going to one session. And if I don't feel different after that session, I'm bringing my own train money and I'm going back home and I'm done. Man, she came to that first session. And I can remember seeing him while I was teaching and people pop out. You know, there's just certain people that like, you like to preach to because they just lean in, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and I like that, you know? The ones that are like bored, I don't like you. No, I do, I do, I do, I do. I know it's a partnership. Like if you weren't boring, no. Um, but this couple, I could tell they were leaning in, like they were hungry. And long story short, they came the second session and the third session. They came the whole week or weekend, like the three days, all six sessions. The last session we do communion and we have the husbands take the elements and go to different parts of the room with their spouse. And I could tell they were having a move of God. I didn't know what was going on, but there was weeping. It was beautiful. It's like, ooh, God's up to something over there. And long story short, they left that retreat and they let our ministry leader know there that we believe that our marriage is going to make it as we apply these principles to our marriage. Amen. You did that. Jesus did that through your efforts. And I want to thank you for sending us. Um, I say all that to say we're going to go back next year. And, and we can't keep going back. You know, I told the missionary, I said, we can't keep going back. So we're committing to one more year. And what we're looking at doing is going back. We're not going to do a year one next year. We're going to finish with year two. Well, that means that almost 40 pastors and their wives have gone through both years. Okay. And then we're going to host a church plant leadership day where Amy will take the girls and do something. And we'll do something into the 40 pastors dealing with church planting and leadership and that kind of a culture. And we're going to invite another church to go with us. We're going to invite another church planter. So it won't all be on us next year. Amen. But they want me to tell you, thank you. The missionaries want to say thank you. The people wanted me to say thank you. But the executive committee of that national church in Southeast Asia wants me to say thank you. They had one of their members that was at our event, and he and his wife just love what we're doing, even though it's shaking up culture. And it's making some of the older brigade a little upset. But they see the need. And so thank you for allowing us to do something that's literally shaping the culture of ministry in a country, a whole country, that will last for years and years to come, that culture. Amen. And so I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, when it comes to the finances this year, man, the Lord blessed Amy and I. We were able to raise, I got to raise through my running. You know, remember that extra mile, go the extra mile with me? We raised, I think, almost $5,600, $5,700 through that. And so that was a real blessing. And then we had a connection in Florida that sent $3,000. I've never even met the guy, but he believes in the work. And they sent 3000 So we only had to make up as a church about $6,000 of the whole event this year. So praise the Lord. Last year was fifteen on our backs, you know. And so this coming year, we'll have another church to partner with us in raising those finances. So it shouldn't be a burden at all. And, um, and just pray as we, we work toward um, continuing to minister in that, in that nation. All right. So let's get into this today. Um, you know, it wasn't all lectures while we were in the country. It wasn't, you know. Um, there was times where we had breakout sessions and such, but it wasn't all that. There was a time where each retreat, we took a group um, hiking. And so we took them all on a bus, which is a trip. They got the Congo going. They're singing, you know, and, and it was just so much fun. And so we got to go up to some waterfalls and hike up. We did that two different times, with, once with each group. And so that was fun. And also, Amy and I, we got to do a little bit of trail running you know, and, and the first time we went trail running, um, 
I get back and the missionary says to me, he says, did you have any problem with leeches? Well, I wasn't swimming. And apparently it's a wet enough environment that they have these leeches that just live in the grass. And I said, no, I don't think so. And I looked down, I said, well, I got a slug. He goes, no, that's a leech. Well, I didn't know. And so I reach down, this thing is swollen all up, and I touch it and it falls off. He goes, it's eaten to its fill. It is already detached. And so I stepped on it. I was like, die, devil bug, you know. And, um, and so I didn't realize how that worked. And you just bleed and 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 bleed. It put a hole in my sock. That's how this thing is serious, you know. And so... All week long, we have a great time. The last day we're there, I wake up really early because I want to go on one more big trail run, you know? And um, I pull up my All Trails app. It's a phone app that, that you just put in your location and it'll give you all the trails that are close. And there was 11 trails within five miles. And I thought, okay, this one's only about a mile away. And so I ran down the hill, down this road to it. When I got there, this guy, he looks at me and I said, where's this trail? I mean, he doesn't speak my language. I'm like, trail and I say the name of the waterfall and he goes and points up this concrete kind of road you know little narrow road and he says that he points up there and I said no no and I show him the trail I said trail trail and I can't see where the opening is to go in but it's right there and he points at this little gap and he goes no 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 jungle trail take take you know and I and I, I said I love I want the jungle I, I, you're only in that country, you know, once in a while. And so, um, so okay, so I take up this trail, and, and man, it was amazing. It was an epic run. You know, you're about 60-some hundred feet above sea level, so I can't breathe. And, and, um, and you're getting up there, and there's dogs chasing you and stuff. And, and, but you're running by people's houses and things, and, and, and it was just really immersive. That's probably a good word, immersive. And so I get up, I take pictures of the waterfall, and that's at the side, but I want to go to the top of the waterfall, you know? And so the path narrows, and as it narrows, I'm like, I'm running down the path, and I get down the path a good ways, maybe an eighth of a mile, and it hits me. Oh, leeches! I forgot about them, and it just hit me. Leeches. I look down, and there's seven or eight leeches all around my ankles. And so I get my rag, and, and, I, and I, I swat at it. Everybody say, swat it. Yeah, yeah, I swatted at those, those leeches. These things are life-sucking. They lay awake and they attach. I mean, these are evil, demonic bugs. And so I'm swatting at these leeches. And I, but I, I really want to see those falls from the top. So I go a little bit further, and I look down. They're all over me again. And then at that point, I'm like, yeah, I'm done with the leeches. And so I turn around and I head back down the trail. One last time, I'm swatting them off, you know, trying to keep them off of me. And um, you got to swat at them, you know. <laughs> and the thing is with it, they are laying a weight, just wanting to attach to you. And if you don't do something, they'll do what they're designed to do. They're designed to get a hold of you and to draw from you that which is precious. Y'all, I know they only take a little bit, but every bit of blood to me is my blood. It's precious, right? It is. So you know what I had to do? I had to swat at them. I'm telling you right now, this is not a deep sermon. So you all have to come back. Remember, I had a really good one, right? Everybody say swat at them. That's what I had to do. I had to swat at these things, you know, keep them off of me. Because that's the work of a leech. Its whole existence is to take. 
Its whole existence is to come and draw off of you. And my mind started thinking about John 10, 10. It's a simple scripture. It's the enemy who steals and who kills and who destroys. It's the enemy who in his design, he just wants to take, right? And the truth of the matter is, if we don't do something, the enemy will do what he does and he'll draw from you that which is precious. He'll draw from you the peace that you have in your home. He'll draw from you the joy you have in your marriage. He'll draw from you the strength you have, student, to where you just feel worn out at college. You can't. He loves to attach and to draw off of you. But here's what I love. That's his job. That's what the enemy does. He's got a job. Here's what I love. Jesus has a job too. And I'm not going to get into John 10, 10, part B yet. I'm going to get there. But here's what Jesus said. I love this. First John 3, 4, or here's what John said about Jesus. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Man, that's just simple. God showed up to destroy the works of the devil. But if we don't do something, that enemy will draw off of us that which is precious. And so in that country, we're doing something, amen? We're making a difference because the enemy's trying to draw. They're just working, doing a great job for the Lord. But the enemy, because of past cultural norms, is trying to draw off of these men. And it reaches into their marriages and into the culture of their churches. And, and so we're there. I want to ask you, what's drawing off of you? Like, what's the enemy trying to do in your life to steal, to kill, and to destroy these guys, I got to be with them at one point, which is neat. And I, I get in a chair, and they put this big arch of people. And they do it with Amy, too. And we just do a breakout session talking about intimacy. Y'all, these folks, especially the second year because they're comfortable with us now, they asked us stuff I won't tell you. It's mixed company. You know, I was just like, wow, that's awesome. But, you know, they, they're, they're, they're curious. They want to know. And it's a, it's a shame-based culture. And so as a shame-based culture, they don't get to ask questions. As a shame-based culture, if you have a problem, if that enemy is, is drawing off of you, that, that leech of your spirit, you have to hold that in. You, you can't tell people. One of the things that we've been able to model to them is, is transparency. It's not something in their culture. And, and in my mind, I, I don't know how to do ministry without being transparent. You know what I mean? Like, you guys understand that about us, you know? We just try to, we're just going through life with y'all and figuring this out, right? And so with that, they're there around me. And I was reminding them about last year's session when we talked about intimacy. And what I said was, I said, you know, the Bible says that wives are to submit. You know, now don't elbow your wife, okay? You hear a pastor saying it. Don't elbow her. Wives are to submit. And, and it goes on, though, and it says, husbands are to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Man. And I was able to talk with the men about what that looks like. Many of their wives have been abused. Many of their wives have gone through tragic things. And what's it look like to be patient? What's it look like to be kind? What's it look like to love like Christ loves the church? And I was sharing that with them this year, just as a reminder, and something came to me. Because like I told them, I said, how do you show love like Christ loves the church? It's that John 10, 10b. It's the second part of John 10. We give life and we make life abundant. That's what Jesus did. So if we're going to show love to our spouse the way Christ showed love to us, we strive every day to bring life and a life that's abundant to our wife. Mel, I know you do that for Sharon. That's why y'all been happy 50-some years, working hard at it. I think it's beautiful. They've taught us the way, you know. And so I was explaining that to them, and then the Lord gave me the thought of the first part of that verse. But 
Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I just got to thinking that, that, that there's two jobs. That's it. Just in the whole world. There's two basic spiritual jobs in the whole world. And I looked at him. I said, are you going to do the work of Jesus in your marriage? Or are you going to do the work of Satan? That's a matrix to process everything through. Is this what Jesus would have me do? Or is this what Satan would have me do? And I just challenged him. If you look at the matrix and you go, this is bringing life and making life abundant then I'm working on behalf of Jesus. This is stealing. I, at times I steal from my wife her joy. Am I acting like Jesus in her life or Satan in her life? Am I acting as a way that brings life or like a leech I'm drawing off of her precious, that which is precious? You know, there's times I'll, I'll, I'll kill, you know, maybe a staff member's peace. Right, Corey? You know? I want to be mindful of that in that moment. It doesn't get any more simple. So when I was doing this talk with him, I thought, how simple is that in life that I can just look at this matrix and ask myself, am I being like Jesus or Satan? Whose work am I doing? Do you want to do the work of the Lord or the work of the enemy? And the problem with that is my nature rises up. My nature, Nils, it, it, like, like I want to be selfish when I'm dealing with my wife. I want what I want. Am I alone in that? Anybody else? Husband or wives? Tell me about your husbands. Any, any husbands, right? And so when that nature rises up, guess what I have to do? I got to swat at it. <laughs> because it's like a leech that wants to rise up and suck for me life. Suck for my marriage life. And so I've got to swat at it. Say swat at it. Yeah. When I get frustrated with something and my anger rises up and I want to become um, very, very vindictive, man, I got to swat at that. It's so easy to go off of nature, but we're not called to run our lives on the natural. We're called to run our lives on the supernatural. And it takes the Holy Ghost to help us do that. Amen. You're not swatting on your own. Pastor, I've tried. Then you're just trying on your own. We need to try, but we also need to be supplied by the presence of God. We need, we need counseling sometimes. Get it. Sometimes if you need medicated, take that medicine, baby. Amen? I like my medicine. Shut up. I do. I do. If you need, but, but on the other side, there's things where it's the Holy Spirit alone. But you've got to swat it. You've got to make that decision. That you're not going to let that nature rise up and cause you to steal, kill, and destroy. Cause you, rather, to rise up and say, God, I want to bring life and make life abundant. Every relationship, every situation that I'm in. Amen? See, that matrix for life, when you look at it that way, you can be a taker or you can be a giver, you know? You can look at the situation and say, am I being hurtful or am I being helpful? Am I here to serve or... That's maybe becoming a big, big leech. I'm not real good at paying a mind. <laughs> am I being a servant or am I there to serve me? Serve, serve, give it to me, you know? Yeah, it's a simple matrix. Am I being like Jesus or am I being like the devil? Which is it, you know? Am I serving my life? Am I living in my life in such a way that I'm trying to bring peace or am I bringing tension? And so the time I spent with these men looking at John 10, 10, it just kind of made me realize how simple living in the kingdom of God is. It really is. 
And even though it's simple, if you look at it like abundance of life or stealing, killing, destroying, and making decisions based on that, even though it's simple, how many's had some simple jobs you still really appreciated a job description for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I made burgers at 15. They were a wreck until I looked at the guide and made them right, you know? And so, um, yeah. And so basically, I started thinking about Scripture and how simple the kingdom of God is. And, and, and it wasn't just the idea of these daily decisions. It's the decisions of the church as well. You see, Southeast Asia reminded me of what our job description is as a Christian and as a church. And I just, if I had a title today as I'm talking, it would be the simplicity of the kingdom. It seems pretty simple to think the matrix. Is this life and bringing abundance? Or is this death and bringing, stealing, killing, and destroying? Pretty simple. But I kind of want a little bit more of a job description. What was simple, uh, what was Jesus' simple plan to destroy the works of the devil? Remember it said he appeared to destroy the works of the devil? He tells us in Mark chapter 16 what that plan is. He says, this is the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So the job description, if we're going to bring abundance of life wherever we go, the first thing is we got to be people who preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. You might say, but Pastor Ross, I, I'm not a preacher. Preach and live the gospel are synonymous. They're the same. What I do up here is not nearly as effective as what you do when you live your daily life and people see you live out the gospel. Amen? I think it was Francis of Assisi, St. Francis of Assisi. He said, preach the word of God at all times. If necessary, use words. So I'm looking, I often will say, how many preachers are in the church today, you know? And we'll have 300, I think, I don't know, I think last week was 363 preachers in the house of God. That's how many ministers. Because that's how many people were here. Y'all are ministers. And so I would say, number one, if we're going to bring abundance of life, we've got to live and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and second coming. And as I begin to think about that, all of the gospel, it's not just about getting saved and then going to heaven. Every part of the gospel message is about your life today. Because there's things in your life. If Jesus died, there's things in our life, the scripture will show, that we need to have some death in the things in our life too. The old man with baptism goes down, is buried. There's some things that need to die in our life. When we refuse to allow certain things to die in our life, especially the things that steal, kill, and destroy, whether it's destroying us or others, then we're not allowing the gospel to be lived out in our lives. Amen? We need that death to take place. What I love about that, though, it doesn't stay there. That burial happens and that resurrection happens. We need to be able to work and allow God to, I'm not saying your salvation. I'm saying allowing God to do a work in your life where that nature that rises up and you're smacking it down and you're growing and you're being developed, that that, that, that gets um, a new life raised, a life that is a testimony of who Jesus is in your life. Amen? How many have some new life in here? You're not who you used to be, amen? I, um, can we just be honest? How many people here used to do drugs? Raise your hand, come on, somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, some people in the room going, I still do. I'm glad you're here. It's a good place for you. Because most of the ones that raise their hand, 
they were that way when they came here too, amen? But they started being around an environment where God started giving them that power and that authority and that understanding. They could smack at that. They could swat it, you know? They could deal with it. And yes, some of them went to counseling, and that's good. And some went to AA or, 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 or um, um, Celebrate Recovery, and that's good, you know? All I'm saying is there's some people in here, and I could go through a whole list of sins, and you're looking at a room full of sinners, amen? But God has changed us. He buried that old man and raised us anew. That's living out the gospel. Being able to live that new life is a testament. And that second coming of Jesus. You know, I was raised in a church that preached the second coming of Jesus, like rapture could happen at any time. And I believe the rapture can, amen? But about, I don't know, as I got older, the immediacy of that kind of got lost on me. You know, am I alone in that? I remember as a teenager, you know, it was like, I just felt like, ooh. Now, part of that was in the 70s and 80s, they scared, they scared the hell out of us with some of those movies. I mean, I'm talking about the literal hell. You know, like, like how many remember those movies? Yeah. Yeah, and so you were like, oh, I'm going to get my head chopped off, or I'm going to serve Jesus, or there's a mark, something's going to happen. And, um, but I did, I lost as I got older that sense of immediacy. I think living the message of that gospel in our lives is getting that immediacy back. You know what I mean? Like, like just that sense that man, you could come at any moment. There's things to do for your kingdom. You could come at any moment. There's development that I need that I, I want to do it on this side of glory. I don't want to have to wait to that then. I, God, you're coming at any time. Man, living that way, to me, preaching and living the gospel, that is abundance of life. That's on this side of the matrix. Goes on, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And so the second thing we see in that Great Commission, that job description from Jesus, is make disciples. Make disciples. That's something I loved when I was in Southeast Asia. They have a disciple-making culture. A disciple-making culture in that I would still be considered pastor's disciple. And there's some, beauty, there's some beautiful stuff in that. And a lot of these young pastors in their 30s, their discipler, their senior leadership, still is pouring into their lives. And they, they got healthy relationships. Those healthy things, unhealthy things, it's not everywhere, but it's some. And Amy and I were talking to one lady, and every day, for years, her and her husband, their pastor encouraged them, and they have their own church now, to read four chapters of Scripture a day, and there's ten questions he asked them to ask of those chapters. And then they report it back to him every day, for years. There was a responsibility on their side that they wanted to be those who are growing in understanding of God and their relationship with the Lord, and that hasn't ceased. They choose to be a disciple. It says make disciples. So the first thing I see with make disciples is <clears throat> that go therefore. Go therefore make disciples. In other words, it doesn't happen automatically. All right? We have to be purposeful if we're making disciples in our lives. And in order to have a disciple, it takes one guiding and one following. I'm going to ask you guys, how many here, you've mentored somebody before? Raise your hand. Yeah, a bunch of you, a bunch of you. That's discipleship making, that kind of mentoring. It takes one person that's kind of leading and one person following. To be honest, that one leading doesn't have to have it all figured out. Amen? But they have one step ahead, maybe, you know? And they're, they're going together, bringing growth to that person. 
I don't know if you realize, Momentum Church, our mission is tied to discipleship. And it's leading people on an adventure to more in life through Jesus Christ. Every one of you is called to that mission. It's not the pastors that are leading people. Every single one of you are called to make disciples. But pastor, I don't know a whole lot. You know more than that person. Amen. And Paul, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. I think we've lost that as Christians. And we've made Christianity a solo sport where I go to church and I get mine. As long as I'm getting what I need. Oh, I got my peace today. I got my joy today. I came out of there. Oh, they sing my favorite song. All right. Who are you responsible for? Who burdens your heart? Who does Jesus put on your heart in the middle of the night that you pray for? And I'm not trying to put a burden on you. I'm just saying as Christ followers, Jesus gave all of us a commission. It wasn't just his apostles. There was 500 people at his ascension. He said to the whole mass, go and preach. Make disciples. And I want to challenge us to, to do that, to lead others. But listen, you can't lead others if you're not leading yourself. I think, I think that's the rub. I think a lot of us don't want to lead others because one of two things. One, what do I have to offer? Like, I, I'm not developed. I still struggle. How many still struggle? Raise your hand. Pastor's got hands and feet up, okay? And so one, we discount ourselves from being a disciple maker because who am I to lead anyone? Well, you're the righteousness of God. and He's chosen you as his follower. And he said, go and make disciples. That's who you are, okay? But that's one reason. And then the second reason is we don't care. Is, is, like I said, it, as long as I have what I need, you know, and I want to challenge us as a church to be a disciple-making church. I want to challenge us as a church to live on this side of the matrix and bring life and make life abundant, you know. I, I see Caleb sitting here. Caleb, and I think I might have used you guys before, but Mitch has taken a real responsibility of mentoring Caleb. And, 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 and I'm just so proud of you, Caleb, just your growth and your development, you know. But he availed himself of that. You know, but as a discipler, sometimes we don't do that. And so <clears throat> I tell my kids something, my two littlest, when I drop them off, every time I drop them off and I have prayer before they go to school, I always pray and I'll say to both Arden and to Maverick, I'll say, and Lord, let them lead themselves and lead others well. I really pray hard for Arden because <laughs> I worry that she will burn down the school. But let them lead themselves and lead others well. That's what I'm talking about. Making disciples. Choosing to lead ourselves if, and to use the matrix. In my life, am I allowing things in my life that are stealing, killing, and destroying? Or am I doing things in my life that bring life and make life abundant? What am I doing here? I will lead myself first. And also, I'll take responsibility to bring life and abundant life to others. I will make disciples. Amen. And so we can't, when it comes to disciples and making disciples, we can't be satisfied with just gathering. When I say just gathering, that speaks of numbers, right? Like people showing up. And to be honest, you know the first thing I did this week, Dave, when I came on Tuesday to the office, I went back here to the little book where we keep attendance, and I looked at the last two Sundays. And I went, dang, there was a lot of people here. I mean, it was really good attendance. Today's not as good. And then I thought, God is my witness. Wait a second. They all know I'm coming back. <laughs> and it just, just for a second, it just came into my mind. 
And I was like, they all know. And then I had to just swat it. And like remind myself, wait, no, this is the front side of Thanksgiving. They're not not here because they're not liking me. They're here because of liking turkey, you know. <laughs> it's all right. But I had to swat at that because that's just part of your nature. But listen, discipleship, it's, we can't be satisfied with just gathering. That's the numbers. And you can't be just satisfied with showing up. There's two parts to this, right? So we, as leadership, we can't be satisfied that y'all are here. And you can't just be satisfied. Well, I got myself to church this Sunday. And that's where it ends. No, be a disciple. That means grow. That means to be developed. That means to reconcile those things in your life that, that, that would rob you and steal from you and kill from you and, and embrace those things of Jesus that wants to bring life and make life abundant. In other words, repentance. Amen? This side, repentance. God, I'm broken by the things that break you, and I'm not satisfied any longer just putting the name Jesus and Christian on me. Lord, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow you. Amen? Mm -hmm. And then our satisfaction, it can't be linked to gathering. It has to be linked to spiritual growth. And I believe that spiritual growth is both personal, like how am I growing in the Lord? And I think it's also the idea of how am I helping another grow in the Lord? Discipleship, all right? What am I doing? What responsibility do I have in other people's lives? And we're almost finished with this. The next thing that Jesus says, and I'm getting this great commission both out of Mark chapter 16 and Matthew 28. Both scriptures speak of the great commission. In Mark 16, it says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now watch verse 17. Here's another, another mark of the abundance. This is another part of the job description. And these signs will follow those who believe. Signs, yeah. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Man, that's amazing. What's that third part of the job description? Do the works of the Lord. That's the third part of the job description. God wants abundance to come, but he still brings abundance through his body. Guess who's his body? You are. You're his body. We're the body of Christ. So being submitted to him and being able to say, God, we will, we will pray. We will believe. We will stand in the gap for others. We will do the work of the Lord. That's a powerful thing. Amen? That's part of the job description. And I just want to tell you, God has a job for us, and we are either moving in that job description or not. Remember, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. We're either moving to bring life and make life abundant or we're allowing the works of the devil to have their place. And all I would say is swat it. Like knock those things down, those little leeches that try to rise up and take, swat at those things, you know. Hmm. So keeping the kingdom simple is what it's all about. That's all this teaching is. And we're going to go to the altar here in just a second. Just keeping the kingdom simple. Being those who live on this side of the matrix to bring life and make life abundant. I know Jesus is the only one that does that, but he does it through us. He, he wants us to challenge ourselves. And then out of that, how do we do that? We preach and live out the gospel. How do we do that? We make disciples. How do we do that? We do the works of the Lord. And, and what's powerful, in Matthew 28, 19, it finishes the Great Commission saying, go therefore and make the disciples. But then at the end it says, and lo, I am with you always, 
even to the ends of the earth. There's a promise of his presence. In other words, you swat at those things, the difficulties of this world, the difficulties of your nature and personality, the difference of addictions and struggles. You swat at them, but you know what? You can't swat at them alone. You know, I am with you. I'll never leave you. I won't forsake you. And the Holy Spirit comes, and he's there to help you. Amen? And so what I want us to do, I want us to stand to our feet. And we're just going to go back into worship. And, and I, I just, I, can I be honest? One of the things I've had a swat this year, I've had a, I've had to swat down in my life the fear of believing God for miracles again. It's been a hard year in this house. Tragedy in this house. Dad's heart's hurt in a sense, you know. But we can't go away from the commission, the job description. He says, signs and wonders will follow those who believe. And here's the truth of the matter. There's people in this room right now who need deliverance. Amen. And God will break off of people's lives addiction. There's people in this room right now that need healing. And God will bring healing. Not that we have it, but he has it through the power of his Holy Spirit. And he'll bring forth healing if we'll ask. Amen. There, there are people in this room right now that need a touch from God. There's people here that you're just empty. The leech of life has just drawn off of you so much. And you need a refill. You feel worn out, beat down, empty. I get it. And so what we want to do, we're going back into worship, and we just want to open these altars for prayer. We believe in the laying on of hands. They will lay hands and they will recover is what the scripture says. And so from this side of the altar to there on that side, just come and stand. Maybe some of you will just want to kneel, but as you do that, our ministry leaders and such will come around and begin to pray with you and just ask God to touch you as we grab a hold of the abundance that God has for us. Amen? Amen? Let's worship and let's pray at these altars. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Ever, every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus cause your name is power your name is here Shine through the shadows, burn light.
Shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Sing that again. Shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. As I was speaking, if you're here this morning, I'm not going to have you come up, but if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I feel that. I just feel like I'm being drained, just drained. You know, it's just drawn off of me, my joy, drawn off of me, my peace, drawn off of me, my hope, even physical energy. Just I just feel worn out. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to just pray. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hands all over. Father, in the name of Jesus, everybody else, we can just pray together in agreement over these. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing a fresh filling to your people, God. Lord God, even this week, I ask, Lord, as they make time with you in mind, as they pull aside and they take time with you and they draw near to you, Lord, that they would just sense such a sweet presence, Lord, that you would just show up in such a beautiful way and that they would sense, Lord, you just filling them afresh and filling them anew, God. Lord, it makes me think of those early disciples beat up by the religious and they came back together for prayer and you fell on that house again. Lord God, fall on their house again. Touch their homes again. Touch their hearts again. Refresh them in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise. And as Pastor Brantley's coming to dismiss, say it one more time with me. Swat it. Please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.